Hey guys, welcome to The Grove Podcast. I'm Kara Daiba from The Grove Team. And we have the pleasure of welcoming back our friend Hosanna Wong for a conversation that you will be blessed to receive. Today, our very own Grove original girl, Susan Robinson, sits down with Hosanna to unpack all that it means to allow Jesus to establish your identity. This conversation will provide the practical resource of uprooting all things in your life that have been spoken over you in order to shift you back to your assigned position as a daughter of the King of Kings. I'm just going to say that again a little slower so that we know this is significant uprooting. We want to uproot the things in your life that have been spoken over you in order to shift you back into your assigned position as daughter of the King of Kings. So as long as we're on the same page, we're going to open our hearts and our minds now as we dive into this chat to hear from Hosanna on having a new name. Hey, Hosanna, I'm so glad to be sitting here with you. You have been such an inspiration to me, to my teenage daughters, to so many people that I know because of your vulnerability and just the victory that you have in Jesus and identity over just the things that have happened in your life. And I cannot wait to dig into it and let everybody else hear what you have to say. Oh, praise God. <laughs> I am so honored to be doing this with you, just how we connect about what God has brought us through yes. and how to make our relationship with Jesus real and yes. have practical tools to know Him for real, to know who we really are. I love it. I'm really excited about this conversation. So you love talking about your new name and new names, plural, that you have in Jesus. And that kind of ties back to Isaiah 62 too. I want to read that for our listeners real quick so we can set some tone. Uh, It says, The nations will see your righteousness and all kings your glory, and you will be called by a new name, which the mouth of your Lord will designate. That is powerful. And that's what's happened in your life, in my life, in so many people's lives. But can you give us a little bit of context about that? What what does that mean? Why is it important for God to designate a new name for us? Yeah, I mean, I think so many of us have heard so many names throughout our lives. Mm -hmm. We've heard names like we're unworthy, we're unlovable, we're unseen, Mm -hmm. we're not worth fighting for. Like many of us have stories throughout our childhoods or throughout our lives when the people who should have stayed with us didn't, the people who should have defended us didn't. Mm -hmm. And we've had all these people speak to us through their broken lens. And I believe like when God is saying, look, I want to give you a new name, God is saying, I want you to stop seeing yourself through the broken lens of other people Mm -hmm. and start to see yourself through the lens of God. You've been called all these old names, all these names that are not who you really are. But God is saying, I want you to come and discover a new name. And it's actually the name you've always been. It turns Mm -hmm. out you were loved all along. You were worthy all along. You were chosen all along. So I think God is calling us to remember who we are and what we're made of, what he's called us to do. And I think answering to the new name he has for us is a great first step. I love that you're saying it's always been there. Right. Yeah. I mean, he's spoken this over each of us before the foundation of the earth, Yeah, who we are. I mean, that's what Ephesians is all about. And maybe it's been spoken to us incorrectly through brokenness, but like he is calling us out. And, yeah. and you're a voice for that. You're a voice for that because you've had that victory in your own life. I mean, mm-hmm. you've been through a lot of stuff in your life and yeah. had people call you names that weren't true. Like, Tell us a little bit about that. Like, What's your story and, and how did God pull you out into this place of standing and who you are now? Yeah. you know, For anyone who might not be familiar with my story, I was raised on the streets of San Francisco. My dad was a heroin addict who fought in a Chinese gang 
who had bullet holes alongside his calves from the last time he ran from the police, from the last time he robbed someplace. And someone introduced him to Jesus, and Jesus changed his whole life. Mm -hmm. And he started an outreach to those living without homes and battling with addictions on the streets of San Francisco. So that's how I grew up. Uh, that's how I learned church. People brought their bottles. People brought their needles. We had church services with our friends on the streets there. And you know, that's where I learned that Jesus could save anyone's soul and mm -hmm. redeem anyone's story. Um, but there were just lies that I believed in my life growing up in that unique environment. Like I believed, um, like because my dad was like this powerful preacher with this powerful story. Yeah. Um, I just believed that I was not enough. Like my story was, mm -hmm. I felt wasn't enough. Like sometimes we can feel like our stories are too different mm -hmm. or our stories aren't different enough. Like what if I have an unspectacular life. Um, I couldn't preach like my dad. I couldn't teach like my mom. I couldn't sing or write songs like my sister. And then I did spoken word poetry because all my friends on the streets did it. And I used to think like, I don't have anything to really offer to show people who God is. I have like this hobby. Like, what am I going to talk about God through poems? Like that just sounded so lame to me at the time, but all my friends on the streets did poems. So yeah. I believe like I wasn't enough. I didn't have something significant. Um, I was not significant. And, you know, I went to schools where I had really painful experiences with teachers who, you know, talked down about my family and mm. my dad and also like my learning abilities. Mm -hmm. um, I, you know, saw things I shouldn't have seen on the streets growing up. I was nine years old the first time I saw someone murdered in front of me. Mm. And I felt, and I wasn't able to show my baby brother's eyes in time. Like I felt guilty. I felt like there's all these names that we hear, like we're not enough. We're doing all we can, but we're not doing enough. We mm -hmm. don't make the mark. We mm -hmm. have to perform more to be valuable. We have to prove ourselves to be worthy. Like I've certainly heard all those things growing up. I battled eating disorders all throughout mm. junior high and yeah. high school, trying to make myself enough. I try to change who I was and look like other people, dress like other people, and water down my real story, water mm. down my dad's story, water mm -hmm. down my details, water down my Asian heritage because I was the only Chinese girl in my school. Whatever it was, I would just kept trying to hold back mm -hmm. who God really made me to be because I thought that I had to change who I was like in order to be valuable. Yeah. And I think a lot of people can relate, whatever the name might be, that you've been told lies your whole life that have trapped you into the wrong patterns mm -hmm. of living. When you think you're not enough, you start living like you're not enough. When you think you're a victim of your circumstances, you start living like a victim. Mm -hmm. When you think you have to prove yourself or perform to be valuable, you'll spend your whole life trying to put on a show, hoping to get the applause mm -hmm. of man. And the enemy hopes we believe all these lies about ourselves so we never know who we really are and we don't live the full free lives we've been created to live. Yes, yes. And I love that you're tapping into this idea of like, we called it earlier, the spectacular and non-spectacular when we were talking. Yes, yes. Tell me more about that because I feel like it's such an issue in our generation, or the, all the generations basically, where people feel like my story's not enough. My story's too much. I mean, there's no, what yeah. story's right? Right, right. What's like the perfect formula? Yeah. Like what's the math? Like not just because I'm Chinese, but kind of because I'm Chinese. <laughs> like what's the math equation? And what do I have to add and what do I have to subtract? Get the perfect equation. You know, when I was 18 years old, my dad, my hero, um, he passed away. Uh, he had cancer. And I remember that moment thinking like, oh no, mm. like now what am I going to do? to tell people about Jesus. Okay, now what am I going to do? Well, I can't do that. I can't do that. And I think both things can happen. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes we worship the spectacular. Mm -hmm. We worship people that have more 
public ministries mm-hmm. or more maybe even like visually obvious ministries. And then we think like they impact so many people and we worship them. And because we're worshiping them and not Jesus, we discount the ways that God wants to use us in our everyday lives. So we see the public, we think if I don't do anything public, it's not as important. If it's not impressive, it's Mm -hmm. not as impactful. Mm -hmm. And the enemy hopes we start to worship people more than Jesus so that we get it twisted about how God wants to use us. But I also think the opposite of the pendulum swing can happen Mm -hmm. as well. We can worship the spectacular, and then we can worship the unspectacular. We can look at people that have more public ministries and think, well, they can't possibly be the real deal. Mm -hmm. That ministry is too well-known. That ministry is too popular. That church is too big. I don't think that ministry is the holy size that a ministry should be. And we can also start to worship the obscure, saying this Mm -hmm. is more holy because you know, nobody knows about it. This is more holy. And we can also disregard and discount and talk bad about how God is using other people and worshiping what's unseen, worshiping the obscure. And God does not want us to worship any kind of method or any kind of person. He wants us to worship Him. Say that again. Say that again. So I think that's the way, one of the ways the enemy kind of twist it to us a little bit. We think, oh no, it has to look this way or it has to look mm-hmm. that way. And we are trying to decide the method that God should use. That is not our place. God is calling you to be who you are and to reveal his love through your real story in your real relationships and to be faithful exactly where you are. And I will tell you to every person listening, sometimes people will see it. Mm-hmm. And sometimes people won't. That's right. Sometimes people see you volunteer. Sometimes they don't see you help your kid with homework. Sometimes people see that thing you post and they don't see that thing you did at the coffee shop. Like throughout your whole life, sometimes God does things and sometimes people see and sometimes mm-hmm. they don't. That's not up to you. You just need to be faithful where you are. Don't worship anything. Just worship God and don't worry who sees or who doesn't see. Man, I am loving this because that that's been the story in my own life is yeah. having... Not, I grew up in the church, but had a lot of church wounds, was, was, um, went through abuse myself and really did some unhealthy things in college trying to deal with that and met Jesus in a pretty spectacular way around 21 and had to kind of unlearn a lot of the things like you're talking about and really had to go, this is Jesus. He's the one that pulled me out. He's the one I'm going to pursue. He's the one I'm going to listen to. And reading the Bible for the first time really on my own, I was shocked, shocked (laughs) at the things that were in there that were radical that were Same. real that Same. and I'm like I'm I was shocked. desperate for more <laughs> desperate for more you know yes. I, I think sometimes Christians can hurt Christianity right sometimes the the way people talk about the Bible makes us miss the Bible right and so I love that you're telling these women that are listening you need to get in there and live this and do this and pursue Jesus relentlessly nothing yeah. else because when you pursue him everything will be added unto you yeah you know no same I wonder if we have like some similar parts of our stories because I felt that same way like I truly believe like when you believe these lies you listen to the lies you start to believe them then you start to live them out. These lies, when you believe these narratives about yourself, they trap you in the wrong patterns of mm-hmm. living. And I, because of all the lies I believed, I believed I was unlovable. I believed I was unworthy. Mm-hmm. I believed no one would fight for me. No one would be on my side. Throughout college, you know, I try to find my identity in men. I try yeah. to find my identity in alcohol and yeah. in, in numbing the pain I really felt. Um, I try to find my identity in people's approval. And we're searching to find who we are and who we are is found That's right. in the Word of God, God's lens of how He sees us. 
And we want to make an impact. Yeah. Like we want to be people that, that influence and change and help other people. But what we've got to understand is we can't have that power and authority without the spirit having done the work in us first. Yeah. Right. And that's one of the things I love so much about the way that you're ministering. I was telling you that I let my girls listen to Bernal Heights and it's yeah. an amazing spoken word piece that you guys need to go out and listen to. It's available on YouTube, online. And you tell your story and kind of how you hated this place and came to love it through victory. But one of the things that was so powerful to me was, yes, the words were great and the way you said them was wonderful. But there was something about the tone of your voice that I knew you had victory over these things, yeah. that the Spirit had done the work in you yeah. and through you was releasing in other people. It was tearing down the walls. It was opening up the hearts and eyes and ears because of the spiritual victory that you had. Yeah. That's what we need to be doing, focusing on that work, building yeah. that identity. That's what gives us the power. Yeah, this is real to me. Yes. This is real for me. And I think that was something I realized like when I was trying to be like more like my dad or be mm -hmm. more like my heroes and thinking I had to change how I talked or change my story to make an impact. I realized that, you know, something that God has just given me a gift in is real one-on-one -on -one relationships with people mm -hmm. far from God. And as I was having conversations with my friends who don't know God and just meeting them where they were and giving God's truths, God's answers to their real questions, that's a that's just an open door God's given me. That's a gift God's given me. So as I speak or as I write spoken word poetries or as I preach or as I write books, all of it, I'm really imagining my friends on the other end having conversations mm -hmm. with other people. And so I think that God wants to use what you really have. Yes not what someone else has and what you're actually good at to reach people in your real relationships. I really believe that real re real relationships are the revolution. <laughs> They're the revolution that Jesus started and asked us to continue to have real relationships with people and a real relationship with Jesus mm -hmm. so you can convey Jesus's answers to their real mm -hmm. questions. And that was just a gift I realized as a kid. I was like, I don't I just can't do what any of the public ministries that I used to think I had to do did, mm -hmm. but I had a specific open door with people far from God just because of who I was and what my tastes were like and what I was like and my hobbies. And I've just used that um, open door to keep having conversations with people. And I think I just talk the way that yeah. I talk to any of my friends yeah. and God's called me to keep being myself in that way. I think that's important. Yeah, to be who you are, which I mean ties yeah. right back to knowing who you are yeah. because it's who God says that you are. Yeah. So tell me a little bit more about what it looks like to sit with Jesus, to sit with the word, to kind of yeah. practice these things in the everyday. I mean, yeah. yes, it's amazing to to gather with other people and to hear the word and hear what God yeah. has to say. But what does it look like when I'm in my house, when I'm in my car, right. like when I'm trying to cultivate and as we like to say here at the Grove, become rooted in the word of God? Yeah. No, I love that. It's a good question. And it's the right question because we want to know who we really are and we want to know how to live. Like if someone mm -hmm. would just tell me how to know who I am and how to live every single day, I would just do that. Yeah. And I believe the answer is this, like you will know who you really are when you spend real time with the one who knows you mm. best. And the way to not see yourself through the broken lens of other people is to spend more real time with Jesus so you can see yourself through God's lens. And I think oftentimes when we feel like we don't know who we are and we don't know how to live, it's because we have 
removed ourselves from the presence of God. We haven't gone out of our way to spend more of our life listening to God, making God's voice the loudest in our lives. And we want to live the life God's called us to live. And we want to be on mission. And some of us, man, we're we're in love with Jesus Mm -hmm. and we're in love with the Jesus mission. And there's so much that we want to do, but there's actually this verse that has like really rooted me and grounded me um, is Ephesians 1.4. It says, God chose us to be in a relationship with him even before he laid out plans for this world. That's right. And for me, so much of my life, I've wanted to skip to all the plans. God, mm-hmm. tell me your plans. God, how do you want to use me mm-hmm. and my friends for this generation? Like I can just skip the relationship and go to all the plans and hope to make time for the relationship when I'm able. But here this verse is saying that your relationship with God is the first and foremost, most important part of what God calls you Mm -hmm. to. First, be close to me. First, be with me. Go out of your way to make time in your life to spend real one-on-one time with me. And then also, um, I have some plans. Yes. And you're going to do those plans through the abundance and overflow of your relationship with me and knowing who you are and what you've been called to do. I love praying the prayer over my kids at night that said that they would be filled with the fullness of the love of God Mm -hmm. and that out of that fullness, they'll love others. Because how often are we trying to go and do the thing, you know, love the people, minister, call this person up, but we're doing it out of our own strength, you know, and you're talking about sitting in the presence of God, sitting in the word we will be able to know the truth and we'll be able to be filled with it and then speak from that place because we don't want it to be us trying to do the work, right? That's right. going to fall flat. Right. But when it's God that's doing it through us, when it's Jesus that's doing it through us, that's when like we're going to see miracles. That's when limitless things are going to happen. Right. And I think we got to make it practical. I think like being who you really are is like beautiful and inspirational. Mm-hmm. And I totally want to repost that on Instagram. But also I have some questions. Like <laughs> yeah. how does this practically <laughs> apply to my day-to-day messy life? Mm-hmm. And I think this has to become something practical. If we want to know who we really are every single day, it has to be something more than something that's, you know, our, our heads are in and our hopes are high and our hands are raised. Yeah. There's a hands-on way to know who you are every single day through a real relationship with Jesus. You know, my my spoken word piece, I have a new name, mm-hmm. is something I've been doing for the past seven years. And it's transformed my life. It came out of one of the hardest seasons of my life, um, just like a lot of pain and loss and heartbreak. And it came out of a really hard season, but now I get to share this spoken word piece with people. And at the end of it, you know, I share all these names that God Mm. gives to us and people stand to their new names and names that God gives them. And it's this really powerful moment and I love it. Mm. But I know this needs to become more than a moment. Like this needs to be an ongoing movement in our lives where we don't just declare who we are, but we practically live as who we really are every single day Mm -hmm. outside of this moment when storms come, when heartbreak happens, when Mm -hmm. transitions happen. How can we still know who we are every single day? Like I know we've talked about the names that God gives us, some of the names in the spoken word Mm -hmm. piece too that you know, but they're all from the Bible. So most of I Have a New Name is just plagiarizing (laughs) the Bible. Like it's 80% written by Paul. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> if you're going to plagiarize anyone, plagiarize God. Um, so we were talking about like the names that are in that spoken word piece and like just seeing all over the world, like mm-hmm. what names people stand to, what names they need to declare. And then also how we, the names that we need to answer mm-hmm. to right now in mm-hmm. our lives and how that practically is like 
I don't know how we're practically living that out right now. You were sharing earlier, like kind of like a new name that means a lot to you that you answer to. Like how, what's that name? And like, how do you live that out in your everyday life? Well, I feel like I'm constantly going back to Ephesians 2.10. Yes. And I know you love that verse too. I do too, love it. It's a good one. It just says that I am God's workmanship created yeah. in Christ Jesus to walk into the good works that he prepared in advance for me to do. Yeah. And I feel like I'm going through a season right now of just pruning and and generational bondage breaking things that I'm trying to do for my own kids and, and looking at relationship with my family. And so... I've really been sitting there in that, just that I am a new work at that craftsmanship, that I'm created in God, that he yeah. is working through me. And I've been really trying to sit and, and meditate on that, you know, and when the feelings come up, not trying to squash them down, but to know that that's a part of that craftsmanship, that's a part yeah. of that preening, that's a part of that Ephesians 2.10 that's leading me in to be able to have the character to carry the good works, right? Because yeah. we don't want to get to those good works and then not be able to hold it up, not be able to accomplish it with God's power. Yeah. So we have to do the hard work every day of reminding ourselves that that sometimes it hurts to be pruned. Sometimes it's sad. Sometimes there's tears and laughter involved, that the good and the hard can coexist as we're going through this process. So yeah. I think like a new work, I'm a new work or yeah. new wine even, I think is another great way that they put it, that there's new wine being pressed and crushed. What do you think is the difference when you're answering to that new name, mm. when you're answering to masterpiece, workmanship, yes. I'm specifically designed and made for this. Yes. Like what's the difference in your life when you have known that's who you are and lived as who you are and when you haven't believed that's who you are? Oh man, it's when when the challenge comes that day. How yeah. do I face it, right? When I'm yeah. not living in that new name, I can be defeated. Yeah. I can be angry. I can be like, "Why God? Like what what's happening?" I can yeah. feel lost. Yeah. But when I'm living in that new name, I see it as coming like, wow, okay, God, what are you doing now? Yeah. I receive. I'm more open to receiving whatever comes yeah. to me that day because I have confidence yeah. that this is just a part of the story. Yeah. This is just a part of what God's doing. And so really, it's almost like a fearlessness. Yeah. that comes. Yes, you can have pain, you can have sorrow, but I'm not afraid of it. I'm not angry about it. It doesn't shock me. You know, I'm free. Yeah. I mean, aren't all these new names just leading to freedom? Yeah. They're all leading to freedom, which is another one of the words that we love using here at Grove. I mean, that's what we're trying to do is that Christ came to set us free yeah. to be truly free. And all these names are who you really are. Yes. They're all the truth and truth sets oh. free. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, for me, um, we were we were just sharing about this earlier, but Child of God has been one of the hardest names for me to understand, mm. and perhaps because I'm numb to it because I've heard mm. it so much in my life. Like I'm a child of God, so like I've just kind of surpassed the depth of what that means and how that changes how I live. Maybe because I was raised in a ministry family mm -hmm. um, that I just found so much of my identity and what I did. Yeah. And after losing my dad, I felt such a weight of what I needed to do for my family, what mm. I needed to do for his legacy, what I needed to do um, to minister. And I just feel like I have worn my working hard or overworking my I've worn my workaholism mm -hmm. as a badge of honor mm -hmm. with how much I can hustle with how much I can hurry with how much I can produce with how much I can perform and it took me a really long time to see myself as God's 
child that's loved without doing one thing, mm-hmm. that's loved without performing, that's loved without putting on a show, that's loved without producing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's taken me a long time to start to see myself through God's lens of I love you um, without you doing or producing mm-hmm. one thing. And I can see how in my life, when I don't see myself as God's child, I feel the need to please people. I feel yeah. the need to meet everyone's expectations. I'll work myself to death yeah. trying to reach my potential without <laughs> and forgetting what Ephesians 1.4 says that God chose us to be in a relationship with him first yes. before he had plans, that God's first call to me is to be with him, to be his child. Um, and when I know that, I feel more free <laughs> to take steps of faith, to take risks, yes. To believe that I'm safe, to believe that God's going to rescue me and take care of me, it is a little bit more um, fun (laughs) and joy-filled to serve Jesus through the lens of, you know what, I'm his kid, and I'm more safe than I've ever imagined. That's right. That's so good. So let's talk about the concept of how silence plays into all of this. I know that you and I both have a shared love of just sitting in the quiet space, no music, not, you know, just sitting with God, yeah. being in his presence and, and yeah. letting him minister in that way. How has that helped you to really redefine your identity? Yes. I love this. Okay. Let's give people <laughs> tools. I love it. Let's give people a good toolbox yeah. of how to know who they are practically every single day. You know, there's something that I've like kind of come to, to figure out how to actually know who I am every single day. And, you know, growing up, people would say, you know, the answer to know who you are and live the life you've been created to live is to abide, mm-hmm. right? Abide, abide in Christ. And I was like, great, abide. I love it. It's beautiful. You know, repost this beautiful graphic. But I don't think I actually understood what it meant yeah. um, to abide when we read in the book of John, you know, mm-hmm. that Jesus is the vine and we are the branches and we just have to abide in him mm-hmm. and stay connected to him. And I think I understood it consistently conceptually, Mm -hmm. but it did not, man, it did not like transform my life and change my relationship Mm -hmm. with Jesus or my identity actually until 2020. Like Mm. as far as like me grasping it as like as much as I have now, Mm -hmm. when my life was chaotic, when I lost all my rhythms, when I lost all my routines and I didn't know who I was, I called my uh, (laughs) girlfriend who's not even a follower of Jesus, but she's one of my best friends and she works in wine. And I was like, hi, I have a question. Um, You know, I have some questions about vines and branches. Give me, and she doesn't know the Bible, so she's not going to give me the churchy answer um, or like the answer that she was raised learning about in Sunday school. She's giving me like the agricultural answer. (laughs) And I was like, explain this to me. All that branches need to do to survive is to be connected to a vine, right? Mm -hmm. That's all they need to live. She's like, yes, all branches need to live is to be connected to the vine. And I was like, well, what about when storms come, mm-hmm. when the weather's too hot or too cold, when there's chaos around it, and and the weather just brings it into a, a, an environment they were not expecting? Like, is all the branches need to live is just to be connected to the vine? And she said this to me, and it changed my life. And she said, well, yes, all the branches need to survive is to be connected to the vine. But unless they have a trellis, mm. a wooden stick holding them up, the branches will carry weights they weren't meant to carry. Oh, wow. And they will spend their whole lives weighed down, fighting an uphill battle they don't have to fight. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I feel weighed down. I feel weighed down. And she said, there's no life in the stick. 
There's no life in the trellis. But the trellis's whole point is just to keep the branches connected to the vine. So all the branches need to live is to be connected to the vine, but really they need a structure. Mm. And I realized in my life that I needed a structure. I needed a trellis. There's no life in the stick. There's no life in the structure. Some of us were raised in religious traditions where we were told, like, in order to be a follower of Jesus, you better pray this long, read the Bible this much, yeah, go to church this much. If you miss church, you better go three times next week. Like, we were told— or maybe we assumed whatever we were taught wrong or we assumed wrong that life was in the structure. Mm-hmm. So we worshiped the structure and that was not right because the source of our life is Jesus Christ. Ooh. There is no life in the structure. There's only life in the source, but a structure will help you stay connected to the source of life. So I realized in my life, I need to come back and create a new structure, a new trellis Mm -hmm. in my life to stay Mm -hmm. connected to Mm -hmm. Jesus. So how will you know who you are every single day? It's through a relationship with Jesus. You'll know who you are when you spend more time with the one who knows you best. You got to stay connected with Jesus. And in order to do that, you need a structure. And so we're talking about some practical tools, some practical spiritual disciplines. Mm -hmm. I call them rhythms of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Uh, I just wrote about this. My new book comes out in August about following the rhythms of Jesus Mm -hmm. in order to know who you really are every single day, the tools to know who you are. But let's just share it with everybody today because I think this is this is transformed my life and it can transform the lives of anybody listening. Some practical tools, a structure to help you stay connected to the source so that you can live and thrive and flourish even amidst life's trials. You know, one thing I do is when I'm driving in my car, I don't turn on the radio right away. Mm. Typically, like every now and then I do. You know, there's a new Taylor Swift album. What do you, <laughs> you got to play that? You got to hear it. Um, but most, more times than not, especially with longer drives, I'm trying to not put on a podcast mm-hmm. or a song right mm-hmm. away. I'm trying to be alone with my thoughts, alone with God to mm-hmm. talk to him about what I'm feeling and thinking. And it's just like, man, there's like something in my brain and my body and mm-hmm. my soul that's just realigning with God mm-hmm. when I'm alone with him and alone mm-hmm. with my thoughts. It's a scary place. I'm not going to say that my yeah. thoughts are not a scary yeah. place or that your thoughts yeah. might not be a scary place, but you got to know what you're feeling to be able to give them to God. So I think silence and solitude is a huge one. Another practical tool um, that you could add as a structure in your life to abide, be connected with Jesus, know who you really are. One thing for me has been praying specific prayers. We can so easily, especially those of us who have followed Jesus for a long time, been like, oh, I pray. I pray all the time. You know, I pray every day. God, heal me, heal them. But I think there's also something about writing out specific prayers Mm -hmm. or taking a time set aside every week to pray specifically about that one situation where that one person said that one thing to you at work and you just need to pray for healing Mm -hmm. in that and God's perspective in that and maybe forgiving that person specifically. Mm -hmm. It might need to be like for me, I've written out just like all these wounds I've had, people I haven't forgiven, Mm -hmm. old names I've listened to for far too long. And yeah, some of it's because of something someone said two years ago and some of it was because of something a family member said to me two decades ago yeah. that I've never let go of. But I have not identified it. Mm-hmm. I have not named it. I have not said it to God. And praying specific prayers, bringing my place into that moment, into that room with that person, what mm-hmm. I was wearing and what they said to me, and then praying specifically and then seeing Jesus in the story. Yes. What 
can I get from Jesus that that person wasn't able to give me? Mm. I needed that person to love me. I needed that person to speak truth to me. I needed that person to fight for me or defend me, but they didn't. And so I can't get over it because there's still something in that moment that I need. I need justice. Yeah. I need revenge. At the very least, I need a reason. I need an answer. And yet I can get from Jesus what that person wasn't able to give me and see what was Jesus thinking of me? How yep. would he look at me? What did his face look like? And if Jesus was there in the story, what would he have said to me? He might have said, you don't deserve this. Yes, I love you. You're wanted. I will fight for you. I will defend you. I go before you. I stand behind you. I'm with you. And to get from Jesus what no one else could give me and surrender that to him and say, God, show me who I really mm. am and who I really was all along. Heal me and then go to the next thing I got to pray specifically about. There's something about praying specific prayers and surrendering them to God. And I will tell you, I've known Jesus for real, for mm -hmm. a long time. Mm -hmm. And I pray all the time. I'm mm -hmm. very good at it. And I will say, the past few years as I've been praying specific prayers as a rhythm, for me, mm -hmm. it's once a week. Um, at this at this moment in my life, that's like the actual structure that I'm able to do. It's yeah. a kind of elongated prayer with specific prayers once a week. Um, that's a rhythm in my life. That's a rhythm that Jesus had yes. in his life. We're talking about the rhythms of Jesus. There are things I am being set free from that I thought I could never be set free from. Wounds I had just resigned, I would always have. They almost in felt my like they life. were you. Yeah. You know, that you didn't even realize. I had it they, so long. Yes. I thought this was a part of yes. me. And he 100%. exposes it as you sit with him. His light shines and exposes it. Yeah. And I think there are women listening right now that, yeah. that they believe that's who they are. It is so deep inside of them yeah. that it's almost like it's part of their DNA, that yeah. they can't differentiate that false identity, that pain, that wound from who they are. Right. But that Jesus wants to say, no, I have something else to say about it. And yeah. I think that's what's so important about what you're saying is you're allowing Jesus to talk. He's not negating it. Yep. He's not pushing it aside. In fact, he's putting it up and making it even more important and saying, yeah. let me reorient this for you. And I've had the same happen in my life, Hosanna. Yeah. And once I'm, I'm telling you, listeners, once you do this, your life will be completely different, Yeah, totally changed. Yes. And all it is is to ask Jesus, what do you want to say about this? Yeah. What do you want to say? Yeah. Man. I'm like on fire on the inside listening to you talk about Me this. Too. Like, I think that we need to go into prayer and okay. start praying for the women out there to be set free. Yes. Okay. I'm down. God, thank you for every woman who is listening to this podcast right now. God, you know the weights that we are carrying that we were not meant to carry. You know the decisions that we have to make. You know our fears of the future. You know the ways that we have started to feel a little bit disconnected from ourselves. And I just pray, God, that you would be so close to us right now, that you would meet us exactly where we are and remind us who we are. Would you show us the new structure to have in our lives, the new rhythms to have in our lives to get closer to you? And would you help us today start to see the lies that we have been believing and start to see ourselves not through the broken lens of others and not through our own broken lens of ourselves but through your lens god would you whisper to us now the truth about who we really are i just pray for favor for every woman that is listening to this healing and wholeness as we draw closer to you jesus in the name of jesus we pray amen Yes, Lord, God, we invite you into the deep recesses of our hearts to continue to remind us who you are. 
What a revelation to grab hold of when you learn that we can lay down the weights and the words that were never meant for us to carry. When we realize we can give those over to God, both in prayer and through worship, it changes everything. Amen. Thank you, Hosanna, and thank you, Jesus, for this timely word over our lives. Y'all, Hosanna is a regular Grove Girl to us at this point, but if she's new to you, please go and check out all she's doing at HosannaWong.com or follow her on Instagram at Hosanna.Wong. As always, we invite you to remain connected to us with all things Grove, both at TheGroveOnline.com and over on Instagram at PCC underscore the Grove. And listen, if you like the truth that we offer here and are benefiting from the Grove podcast, we have a request. We'd love for you to like, share, and subscribe to the Grove podcast. And if you have just a minute, please offer a review of what you think. It helps us continue to extend our reach as we want to impact women everywhere. Well, we love you and we're praying for each of you today. Thank you so much for spending some time with us and we can't wait for you to join us next time here on The Grove Podcast.